Hello, everyone. My name is Abhinav Sharma. I'm an assistant professor here at McGill University in the Division of Cardiology. It brings great pleasure to speak with you today. There are so many innovations taking place to enhance heart failure patient care from coast to coast in Canada. These interviews have been produced to share some of these innovations with you. I've had the pleasure to discuss with various Canadian experts about the innovative protocols or initiatives that they have led and instituted to improve outcomes for patients with heart failure and ensure that their treatments are truly optimized. The series of short interviews will provide you with some insights into what is happening in other parts of the country. We hope that you will be inspired to implement some of these initiatives within your institute to help improve patient outcomes for those with heart failure. This program is made possible with support from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Canada Incorporated. Thank you very much and please enjoy. Hello everyone. We have the pleasure of having Dr. Jeff Healy with us today. Uh, Dr. Healy, thank you very much for being here. Well, thank um, you for having me. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, in terms of who you are and what you do? So uh, I'm a cardiologist in uh, Hamilton at McMaster University. Uh, my background is in arrhythmia management, uh, and I'm also the director of the Division of Cardiology in Hamilton. Uh, I do clinical trials, and I think, uh, you know, as a, someone who runs large clinical trials, it's very good to take what you learn from clinical trials and apply to your day-to-day -day practice in the hospital and vice versa as well. So, uh, you know, see what goes on in the hospital and see how that can lead to uh, future research to make, uh, make that circle of clinical care and research uh, do its magic. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about the initiatives you are developing around using ICD clinics as an avenue to optimize guideline-directed medical therapy for patients with heart failure? Sure. So a blanket statement, I think uh, in medicine uh, or even in general, uh, we do really good, excellent work when we combine the work of two different groups, when we break down barriers between groups and, uh, and look at things a little bit differently than we do in our usual practice. Uh, one thing that's impressed me as a clinical trials uh, uh, investigator is if you look at all of our research into uh, defibrillators and cardiac resynchronization, uh, in the defibrillator world, we focus a lot on shocks and uh, therapies and how to improve longevity devices and reduce complications related to devices. But in reality, when you look at people who receive an implantable defibrillator, the main reason they die is heart failure. And when you look at someone who gets a shock, again, in a clinical arrhythmia practice, we're all consulted. We go down to the clinic. Uh, we see the, the patient who's had a shock, appropriate for ventricular tachycardia. And we say, okay, do we put them on this antiarrhythmic or that antiarrhythmic, or maybe we should consider an ablation. Uh, but the reality is, you know, this is us getting into our small arrhythmia silo. And really, we have to stand back and have a holistic look at that patient and say, you know, what is this shock telling us? And the trial data from Scott Heft and other sources are pretty clear. When you have a patient in front of you with a shock, uh, their prognosis is adversely affected, and they are three to five times more likely uh, to die uh, based on the frequency and the, the type of arrhythmia they had that led to the shock. So, and those deaths are heart failure deaths much more commonly than they are arrhythmic deaths. So, um, again, we focus on the arrhythmia doing the things that we do, uh, but I think we have to stand back and say, okay, what's the big picture for this patient? How do we address that ongoing risk, whether it's us doing the work, whether it's a collaboration, uh, whether it's our heart function colleagues, and really look at the global risk of that patient and deliver not just the therapy we like to deliver, uh, but deliver what the patient needs. 
So that's a great point, Dr. Hilly, with regards to the need for multidisciplinary care to optimize the outcomes in patients with heart failure. So can you describe potentially some of the initiatives that you're thinking of launching or that should be developed when trying to build a program that combines um, ICD care along with uh, the role of optimizing medical therapy? Yeah, sure. So if you allow me a little bit of a, a long-winded response, we all have a certain amount of bandwidth when it comes to punching outside of our, our ring. And you can choose a number of different things. I, I was at a clinic in Oregon and they did a wonderful job on, on mental health issues for defibrillator patients. Everyone had that looked after extremely well, good ties. Uh, and in an ideal world, it would be nice to take this on. But uh, the realities of uh, our clinic is you can only pick so many uh, battles to fight. And uh, we picked heart failure because of the data I showed you. This is the main killer of patients. We, we started looking at this when we'd see atrial arrhythmias, so subclinical atrial fibrillation. Uh, it is not so long ago that uh, arrhythmia physicians started to take on that issue. So we'd see this in defibrillator and pacemaker patients. In the past, it was ignored. Now we know that it's something we should pay attention to. And so people treat that uh, uh, with anticoagulants when it becomes a certain duration and length to prevent stroke. Uh, but, you know, the other thing we have seen in our clinical trials is that having those atrial arrhythmias, not just ventricular tachycardia, is also a profound predictor of heart failure death. So that's really how we got into it. So we convinced uh, a lot of our colleagues uh, had seen the data and were convinced that uh, we should be treating atrial arrhythmias more seriously, mostly from a stroke uh, perspective. But uh, data from Jorge Wong and others show that heart failure is also increased and maybe we should be focusing on that. And so again, not just asking antiarrhythmics or ablation or anticoagulants, uh, but looking at, uh, you know, should we be doing things for heart failure? So both with appropriate shocks, but also atrial arrhythmias. And then we took a broader lens at it and said, how, how are we doing in terms of uh, patients in the heart, in the ICD clinic in general, in terms of their heart function, and their heart function management. And the, the sobering reality was we actually weren't doing as well as we thought. Um, so a number of initiatives were undertaken, uh, quality improvement initiatives. First was a simple question, you know, look at our CRT patients, patients that clearly have an indication for guideline indicated therapy. What proportion of those patients just in a cross-sectional consecutive series are actually on guideline indicated therapy at the optimal doses of those drugs? And if you look at, you know, not just taking a drug, but taking drug at optimal dose, was relatively poor. It was about 60% of patients. And these patients all should be optimized before implantation, of course. Uh, with that, you know, sometimes you can't get them on a beta blocker because their resting heart rate's 40 and they're referred for implantation first. Uh, and then the idea is they get up titrated afterwards. Sometimes the patient is, uh, you know, referred directly from the hospital. So they've come in, they've been under an internal medicine service, they're referred as an outpatient. And Part of the challenge here is sometimes when the device is implanted, the CRT or the ICD, uh, if they come from a, a non-cardiologist referral, uh, or maybe they've had a cardiac arrest and they get a defibrillator that way, there's an assumption in the community that you know they're looked after in the ICD clinic. They're seeing a cardiologist, so uh, of course they're going to have them on the right medications. So there are many reasons why that number is not 100%. Another big one we, we noticed during our audit was when patients are on optimal therapy, they get implanted, then they turn up maybe six months later, they have a bad gastroenteritis, the ACE inhibitors are held, the beta blockers are held, and guess what? The next visit to the ICD clinic, they're still being held six months later. 
And so, you know, I think, it, you know, if we're seeing or making contact either in person or virtually now uh, via telemedicine, uh, if we're doing that two or three times a year with these patients, uh, you know, it, it is, in my opinion, something that the ICD clinic should own. I mean, we're looking after these patients to improve their survival. If they're coming to us on two and a half milligrams of bisoprolol and two and a half milligrams of ramipril and their blood pressure, uh, A, we don't know it or we measure it and it's 140, are we really doing the best possible care? So I think, uh, you know, that that has been a bit of a, of a battle to, because it's a change in thinking, right? We all like to treat the stuff we treat, uh, but uh, this has has evolved for us. Part of what changed um, is a little bit random, right? We had a new nurse practitioner come into the ICD clinic who used to be the heart function nurse practitioner for 10 years. So she had a lot of skill. Second, we hired a dually certified uh, colleague, uh, a new graduate who had fellowships in both arrhythmia and heart function. And so, uh, you know, this colleague of ours lives between the two clinics. Third, and one thing I think is fortuitous, is our heart function clinic and our arrhythmia clinic live in the precise same space. So you can flip a coin across the hall from the heart function clinic to the arrhythmia clinic. And, and the more you can nurture that relationship, uh, the better, because uh, it's common that we on the arrhythmia side see patients with heart function issues and conversely, the heart function clinic frequently comes up with, does this patient need a CRT? What to do about this atrial fibrillation? These sorts of questions. So uh, we have fought strongly to maintain that co-location of the two clinics to help with this continuous quality improvement because uh, you know, those two clinics go together so nicely and uh, to have now not only co-location but uh, individuals both on the nursing side and the physician side who can actually freely move back and forth between those two clinics, uh, cross cover each other and even carry patients uh, along is very good. And I think that those are the kind of conditions that are uh, required to, to make uh, some serious inroads into this issue. That's absolutely true with regard to some of the challenges in optimizing these patients, but also some of the advantages of integrating both um, electrophysiologists, the ICD clinic and heart failure together. Um, in your experience, if someone would want to find out more about this or actually develop such programs in their own institutions or their own clinics, where can they go to get resources on how to do this properly? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because it is a relatively new um, phenomenon. Um, we do have some focus groups we, we put together at the Canadian Cardiovascular Conference. Uh, there are uh, research initiatives underway. And the other, you know, kind of driver of this, uh, as you probably know from your own clinical work, is now the implantable defibrillators are becoming much more sophisticated, including uh, an array of embedded heart function sensors. So we've gone beyond, you know, the, the, the lung water sensors that have been around for 10 years to measure transthoracic impedance. Now we have integrated uh, packages of sensors, five, six, seven sensors, which measure a variety of, uh, of, uh, of parameters and can stream this data from the patient's health, house, sorry, via uh, remote monitoring. And uh, again, this is something we, we, we've gone to having journal clubs uh, joint uh, heart until, of course, the COVID crisis hit. Uh, we would have every one to two months, we'd have a joint uh, EP uh, heart function journal club where we'd sit down and we'd talk about you know, what to do with atrial fibrillation and ablation, how to optimize medical therapy. But you know, there is work uh, through CCS and other organizations to you know, get, uh, get meetings together uh, with people, but it, it's very new and it's largely 
kind of word of mouth and spread between you know, ICD clinic uh, individuals that run this and here's this good idea, but I can tell you it's taking root. I can think of at least seven or eight uh, places around the country where it's all in its early phase. And again, it's an uphill battle because as a rule, you know, people in my profession uh, are very uh, focused on arrhythmia management. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's kind of outside of the comfort zone to get into our heart function management, but obviously it's quite doable. Uh, the partnership with heart function individuals is key. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Dr. Hilly, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been really great to hear about the future progress in how ICD clinics can help optimize uh, the care of heart failure patients. As we wrap up this interview, I know we're all uh, in social isolation right now. So uh, what type of things are you doing to, uh, to, um, to relax and, and unwind? Oh, to relax and unwind? Uh, it's actually, you know, the social isolation has had its good features, right? A lot of academic travel is, is on ice right now and it frees up an enormous amount of time uh, to, uh, you know, connect with people by phone that you wouldn't otherwise. A lot of, uh, a lot of Zoom, Skype and FaceTime meetings and uh, a lot of time to work on uh, your own uh, conditioning, high intensity interval training. Very, very good. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks.